Hello, All Souls family. Good to be with you. Hey, first, real quick, you should be receiving a survey uh, soon. Um, uh, just exploring kind of how you're doing and kind of what your needs are and what you're what you're thinking about as we go forward and consider regathering. So it's, it'll take you about 15 minutes to uh, fill it out. Really important. Please take time to fill that out and have it back in in about a week. We really do want to know uh, what you're thinking as we prepare for the future. Well, when should a Christian disobey the government? Um, do Christians have to obey governmental leaders when they uh, issue specific directives about how and where to gather, what you have to wear on your face, how far away you should be from other people. Uh, what if the state passes a law that commands you to do something that you just feel you cannot do as a Christian? What if the authorities issue a directive forbidding you from doing something that you feel you must do as a Christian? Um, what if uh, you're a teacher and for some reason uh, the directive is that you need to be in your classroom and you don't feel that you can do that? Um, what do you do? Is that, a, is that a time when a Christian disobeys her government? Um, well, these aren't easy questions to answer. Uh, the text that Acts brings us to today is a good chance to, uh, to kind of explore uh, some biblical principles that might help us answer this question. And before we even look at our text, let's begin with a general principle. In general, Scripture teaches that Christians should obey their governments and be faithful citizens. Uh, Romans 13.1, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. 1 Peter 2.13 Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme, or the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. So that's kind of the default setting, is that... Um, God has given governmental leaders for our good, and we should obey them, obey their laws. But there are examples in Scripture where God's people choose not to obey the government because obeying the government would mean disobeying God. And the text that we have today is uh, just such an example of that. Uh, Peter and John have healed a lame man on the grounds of the temple. A curious crowd gathers. Peter preaches this powerful sermon calls many to faith, and many believe. And then we read chapter 4, verse 1, And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So all of this takes place in the temple courts. The authorities responsible for the temple... The personnel of the temple, its worship, they come rushing out. They are part of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish governing council that oversaw all of Israel scattered throughout the Roman Empire. Uh, this august body of 70 uh, aristocrats had uh, been leading Israel for 500 years since coming back from the exile. 
they were led by the high priests. They oversaw an intricate system of courts, and their, their main office was at the temple, not far from where this healing had taken place. And so the authorities arrest Peter and John and put them in jail for the evening. And Luke adds an interesting detail in verse 4. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. As numerous dictators have found, the church grows in persecution. And that statistic reveals a problem for the people in power. This reform movement within Judaism was threatening to overwhelm them and sweep them from power. They lost control. And so they bring the apostles into court. And they say in verse 7, By what power or by what name do you do this? In other words, where is your permit? We are the ones that dispense power here. What gives you the right to do this? And Peter, filled with the Spirit, preaches the gospel again and essentially summarizes what he preached the day before. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men which we must be saved. So now the authorities have a, a huge problem on their hands. The, the healed man is standing right there. He's probably been there most of 40 years, and uh, everybody knows who he is, and he's healed. And uh, the two apostles, without any rabbinical training, are preaching this powerful sermon uh, it, it's hard to deny that God is up to something here, and that really bothers the authorities. And so we, we get to eavesdrop on their deliberations in verse 16. Uh, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Well, now, as they say, the plot thickens because Jesus had commanded to the disciples, go and preach the gospel. And now the authorities are forbidding them to do what Jesus had commanded them. But Peter and John answered, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Uh, so they say, No, uh, we cannot obey, because to do so we would be disobeying God. And the authorities this time let them go. So we've got kind of these two strands of teaching in the New Testament. In general, the default setting is obey uh, the authorities obey the government because God put it into place. Uh, on the other hand, there are exceptions like this one in Acts 4 where God's people disobey the government because to obey the government would be to disobey God. Um, and this, this kind of disobedience has come to be known as civil disobedience. And uh, Let me give you just a couple of other examples in the Bible. Exodus 1. The Hebrew midwives ignore or disobey the king of Egypt's commands to kill Hebrew boys. 
Uh, Daniel 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three young men, young Jewish men, disobeyed King Nebuchadnezzar's command to worship the golden image that he set up. Daniel 6, uh, the king passes a law forbidding prayer to any god but himself, and Daniel continues to pray to the God of Israel. And then, of course, Acts 4 and 5, where the apostles are commanded to stop preaching, and they refuse. So, uh, we do have these two tensions here. Generally, obey the government, be a good citizen. There are times when we uh, disobey the government because to obey them would be to disobey God. So, maybe we could come up with just a, a general principle that goes something like this. Christians should obey the government unless the government forbids what God commands or commands what God forbids. We should obey governmental directives unless those directives are contrary to the Word of God. Now, the early Christians had to put this into a practice very early. Uh, the Romans were religiously tolerant. You could worship any God you wanted to, as long as you also worshiped and sacrificed to the emperor. You had to do both. This the Christians could not do, and so for 300 years there was uh, sporadic but intense persecution. And here's an example from uh, the second century. Polycarp was an aged bishop, and he was arrested for refusing to sacrifice to Caesar. He was taken to the arena uh, to be essentially examined and tortured for his faith and encouraged to recant. And here's an excerpt from the account of his martyrdom. I'll just read a little bit from it. This is from a book called The Martyrdom of Holy Polycarp from uh, AD 156. The proconsul urged him, saying, What is wrong with saying Lord and Caesar and sacrificing to both and saving your life? And Polycarp said, I am not willing to do what you advise me. When Polycarp entered the arena, there was such a tremendous uproar that nobody could be understood. The proconsul pressed him, Curse Christ! And Polycarp answered, Eighty-six years I have served him, and he has never done me any harm. How could I blaspheme my king and savior? I am a Christian. If you want to learn what Christianity is, set a time at which you can hear me. I have wild beasts. I'll have you thrown before them if you don't change your mind. Let them come, he replied. Why do you wait? Bring on whatever you will. The herald announced, Polycarp has confessed that he is a Christian. No sooner was this announced than the whole multitude yelled, He's the father of the Christians, the destroyer of our gods. He's persuaded many not to sacrifice and worship. Then there was a unanimous shout that Polycarp should be burned alive. And he was. So the Christian life is always one of tension. And in this case, we're holding these two truths in tension. On the one hand, we to be good citizens, good, faithful, law-abiding citizens. On the other hand, we serve a higher authority like Peter and John, like Polycarp. And uh, we cannot obey the government when doing so forces us to disobey God. But the, the devil's in the details, and trying to live out this tension is, is not easy. Um, Christians have made two errors in trying to live in this tension. And the first is 
to blindly trust the government regardless of what they do. Um, in July of 1933, during Hitler's first summer in power, a young German pastor named Jacob Hassenfeld stepped into the pulpit of Berlin's largest church. He was surrounded by Nazi banners, stormtroopers filled the sanctuary, and the pastor preached from Romans 13. And he urged his congregation to support the Nazis because the Bible commands Christians to obey the government. Well, Romans 13 must be read alongside Revelation 13, where the government of Rome is described as a demonic beast making war on the saints. Uh, we, we cannot blindly and uncritically uh, always obey everything the government asks us to do. On the other hand, there's a second error, uh, and it goes something like this. It's, it's, well, hey, I serve a higher power, so I am free to disobey my government pretty much on anything I don't agree with. Now, again, we need to remember the default setting in Scripture is obeying government. And you might be thinking, well, but when Paul wrote Romans 13, he wasn't thinking of our leaders. Well, true, he was thinking of first century Roman emperors who were among history's most bloodthirsty tyrants, far worse than anything we have ever or will ever see. And yet Paul teaches and seems to deeply believe that somehow God is working in and through that fallen power. Now, granted, um, I get it. There are a lot of reasons to be frustrated with uh, a government um, now, particularly think of a couple things that have come up um, just lately. You know, why do you ask churches not to gather and then put the same restrictions on protests? Why, why do you deem liquor stores and Home Depot essential services and not churches? Why do government guidelines keep changing and sometimes even seem to contradict each other? Why do leaders give health briefings on the importance of wearing masks while not wearing masks themselves? On and on and on. All of that is very irritating, but this is my point. Irritation with government is not a legitimate grounds for civil disobedience. The only motivation for civil disobedience is for a Christian uh, to believe that obedience to government would be disobedience to God. So when you're thinking um, about disobeying a governmental directive, ask yourself a couple of questions. Um, does this governmental directive forbid me from doing what God commands me to do? Does this governmental directive command me to do something God forbids me to do? Do I believe that obeying the government in this situation would be disobeying God? So in the end, Peter and John I think are our example. They disobey the government. They reject the government's directives, really because they have no other option. To obey the Sanhedrin in this case would mean being unfaithful to God. And that we cannot do. Mm -hmm.